Hello, Warriors. Welcome to another episode of Chevrons, a podcast for the enlisted force by the enlisted force. I'm Tim Sandlin from the 102nd Intelligence Wing Public Affairs Office, and I'd like to welcome my teammate and co-host, Chief Master Sergeant Sean Sullivan. How's it going, Chief? Hey, it's going fantastic, Tim. How are you doing? I'm doing stellar. It's like an awesome right. day. You know, it, it's a really awesome day because uh, we have a, a, a great guest. I've been dying to uh, get her on to a Chevron's podcast. And the really cool thing is right now for this episode, people are going to be able to listen to the 7th, 8th, and 9th Massachusetts State Command Chief at the same time. But there's only two of us here. But we're going to get to that in a minute. Is that the so new first, math? first, I would like to... Is, is that the new math? That? Is that the new math you got going on there? That, it's the new math. It, it's what's driving everybody crazy. It's the new math. <laughs> awesome. All righty. And, and without any further ado, I would like to uh, introduce our guest, Chief Master Sergeant Michelle O'Keefe. Chief, how are you today? I am doing fantastic as well. Very busy day up here at headquarters, but... Uh, glad to be on here with both you, Tim and Chief Sullivan. Happy to be here. Hey, we're, we're happy to have you, Chief. And uh, before we 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 dive into anything, uh, I'd like for you to uh, give us a little bit of your background. Uh, tell us your military story and uh, what exactly is it that you do now as you're sliding into the state command chief role? Sure. Um, well, Going back to age 17, I was inspired by my dad. My dad was a active duty army in the beginning, Vietnam War veteran. And he transferred over to the Army National Guard back in the 70s. And uh, he was a civil engineer, actually down at the 102nd. He was a lineman and he worked for the town of Wakefield. And he decided to transfer out of the Army National Guard and into the Air National Guard. And so growing up as a kid, you know, I would see him getting ready for drill weekends and heading down to the Cape. And just he was my role model. He was my um, reason for joining. So it's funny when I asked him, I said, well, which way should I go, Army or Air? And he said, Air all the way. So that's how it started. Um, I joined as a drill status guardsman in the personnel career field at 17 years old, and I've been in the personnel career field ever since, so I'm a longtime uh, people person. I was a drill status guardsman for, oh geez, 16 years um, before I decided during that time, I actually owned my own business. Um, September 11th kind of, you know, uh, was hard to kind of get back on our feet. And I had always said to myself, you know, whenever I had thoughts about getting out of the military, I had sort of always said to myself that, you know, it's there if I need it. So I'm going to stay. And, and I love the people, of course, and, um, you know, the training and everything. So I needed it. And I ended up, um, getting transferring to the Joint Force Headquarters and ended up getting a, a AGR position in the enlisted branch. And yeah, worked my way up and was the MPMO at the state level, which for those that don't know, it's the Military Personnel Management Officer for the state, 
So anything that has to do with A1 or personnel, I would be the representative for our state at the national level. And then I was the state command chief for a little stint and back to MPMO and now back to state command chief. But we can get into all that stuff a little bit later. Well, and that, that's the most interesting transition. And that is something that I thought it was really important for our listeners, particularly because we, we, we have such a, a broad listenership. Uh, we have people from from all across the enterprise that that will tune into Chevron's. Um, but our target audience, we have a lot of mass uh, Air National Guardsmen. And I know that it, it, for some of them that they, they came on, especially some of our first term airmen, they'd come on and they're like, yeah, I remember we had a a Chief O'Keefe was a state command chief and then a Sullivan. And is it a sister? Are they related or whatever? So that, <laughs> that is, that, that is one of the things I wanted to get in. So people kind of understand the transition and everything that happened. I obviously know the inner workings and, and the really cool thing about our relationship chief is that you were my, you, you've been my mentor for a long time, all the way through the time I was a command chief. We worked so closely together. I think I spent more time in your office than my office and, and, you know, just, you know, that 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 voice of of wisdom, the knowledge that you bring with the MPMO office, uh, it, it was really, really great. But I knew your circumstances and I know a lot of people didn't. Um, do you want to share any of that? You know, what happened and, and, and why you stepped down? Yes, absolutely. I'd be happy to, you know, especially for those that might be struggling with their own, you know, situations at home. Um, <clears throat> when I got the position when I boarded and got the position for the state command chief position the first time, my seventh, went the seventh state command chief position. <laughs> um, so I did know, unfortunately, my husband had been diagnosed with um, stage four cancer, uh, which was a, he was in remission for uh, quite a while. And we had found out that it, it had come back. Um, and there would be no surgery option for him. So, uh, but at the time, so the, the advertisement was out and I really wanted to apply for it. Um, you know, Chief McDonald was, was my mentor and him and I had worked very closely together over all the years and developing the time conference. And I really had a passion for uh, the airmen and being a mentor and, also, you know, being the first female state command chief meant a lot to me and I'm sure the organization as a whole. So I was very excited. Um, the advertisement had gone out and we had got that diagnosis. But uh, the oncologist was fairly confident that my husband could still live quite a, you know, many years and that the chemotherapy he could you know, continue doing chemotherapy treatments and um, sort of keep the cancer at bay. So we as a family had decided together that, um, you know, we would we would take this on as a team. And I went ahead and applied and got selected for the job. And then unfortunately, we our family got a double whammy. Um, a few months later, after being selected for the state command chief position, my husband was then diagnosed with um, ALS, otherwise known as Lou Gehrig's disease. So that took a hard hit for us. Um, it was beginning stages, not much, um, 
you know, it happened. It was just a little bit of um, couldn't really use his thumb. So, you know, you're really not sure of the life expectancy. It's anywhere, they say, anywhere between two and five years. So, you know, you only have a short amount of time. Anyway, we decided to push through, um, you know, and and I would continue to bring to the table what I could. And um, at the time, too, I was dual-hatted. So I was kind of doing Dia, the Comanche position um, as a drill status guardsman. And then I was continuing to keep my MPMO role in personnel. But as time went on, uh, COVID hit too, in the middle of all this. So COVID hit, um, we were at home, you know, uh, the care got a lot worse. And um, I mean, the care got greater, you know, I had to, it became 24 seven care, you know, his, his um, disease had progressed really quickly, um, requiring the 24 seven care. And after sort of, you know, COVID kind of helped me out because I could work from home. I could take care of him. I could sort of multitask. Um, the disease hadn't quite progressed during that time um, too bad. But then once COVID lifted sort of and everybody was coming back to work and, and you know, that was going to be my time to sort of shine as state command chief and um, really dive in and focus on on what the job required and and what the airmen needed. And I did not feel that I could take that on any longer. Um, I would not be able to put that much time and effort into the position. Because I already knew what the position required. <laughs> um, so I made a tough choice. I say tough, not really, because my husband was my number one priority. And I decided to resign the, as state command chief and focus on my husband and, and his care and what he needed and what our family needed as a whole. So I went back to what I know with the back of my hand is my MPMO job and felt that that was the right move to make at the time. And I, I get a couple of leadership lessons in your story that I think can motivate and help others. And, and first and foremost is we have it drilled into us that service before self, service before self, service before self. Here's the way I take service before self. And this is just a personal observation that it is service before a selfish self, meaning that, you know, Deciding not to come to Drill Weekend because you want to stay home and game, that is a violation of service before self. But taking care of yourself and knowing when you have to take a knee, knowing when you need a timeout, knowing when, you know, things are at a point where for your own personal resiliency, you need to have a step back. That, that that's not what it means. It means you need to take care of yourself. You are the most important asset as an airman that we have, you know, equipment can be fixed. Everything can be repaired. Programs can be rewritten. We can't lose you. And so that, that is, you know, a, 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 just a really, really good example of knowing when you need to take a knee. And the other th lesson that I love about your story is that 
people are sometimes afraid to take a knee or afraid to take a step back or they think it's career ending or whatever. As long as you are ready for the next opportunity, as long as you are prepared, as long as you are, you know, you, you are where you need to be and you're ready, opportunity can come back. And just because you had to take a step back, just because you had to take a knee, doesn't mean it's career ending, it's career building. You know, what you went through built your character. It allows the airman to identify with you on an even an even closer note. Um, and it has made you better for the position the second time around. I, I can attest to that. Um, I'm, I'm excited for you. And I know what your vision was. Uh, I had the opportunity to work closely with you. It's kind of like your, your budding sidekick uh, during your 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 early times and um i know what your vision was and i know where you wanted to take this position which is going to bring me to my second question what's your vision where do you see uh where, where do you want to take um this you use your position where do you want to take this office to what's next for the state command chief you know when i was thinking of that and you know i haven't developed all my priorities just yet um we're in that sort of transition phase uh, between, you know, yourself and myself. Um, but thinking about, you know, what would be, I mean, continuing with the tag priorities, of course, and everything that's been developed already, all of that stuff will continue on. But the one thing that, that comes to mind for me that I would really like to focus on, it's always kind of been in the back of my head, is um, enlisted leadership leveling. And I don't know if I can get this across in the right way, but it, it takes me back to when I think about this, it's actually because some a, a young airman stood up when I was down at the 102nd, uh, my last go around, I did an all call down there. And one of the questions was, and I don't know, remember exact wording, but one of the questions was, it was, you know, when we come back from airman leadership school, and, you know, we get reblued and we come back and we want to give so much and then they're not given the opportunity to. So I want to ensure that our airmen in each tier, as they're developing their leadership qualities and they're completing their PME, I would like to make sure that they're being provided the opportunity to actually lead at the appropriate levels. Um, it could be happening in some, some units and it might not be in others, but I just want to make sure that, that we as senior enlisted leaders are cognizant of that and we help drive down and, and give the airmen, make sure that, that we're providing them the opportunity to be empowered, to be leaders at all those appropriate levels. So that's definitely one of my focus areas. Um, the other one is focusing on recognition and awards, making sure that airmen are getting um, proper feedback and recognition, looking at sort of our awards and where they're at, making sure that every three years we're, we're looking at each individual airman and making that decision on um you know, if they're deserving of an award. And if they're not kind of looking in, if, if, if somebody thinks that they're not kind of looking inside of ourselves as leaders and saying, well, are we providing those opportunities for them to be able to shine and pull out their 
personal strengths to be part of the team and make sure that that everybody is feeling valued and important. So right off the top of my head, those are just just things. I haven't sat down and sort of listed those out just yet, but um, those are things that have always been in the back of my head. Yeah, and that 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 is a, a really, really good point in that it, you know, about having our airmen start leading at the earliest possible opportunities in the earliest possible, um, you know, early in the career as they possibly can. That is something that uh, you can only you can only acquire that wisdom through application. You know, knowledge is great. All these PME schools and all this other school, the knowledge is great. You know, knowledge is important. But the only way that our airmen can acquire wisdom is by doing and, exactly. and trying right. and failing and trying again and failing and then succeeding. We got to let them. We have to empower them. It's not just buzzwords. So um, I, I, I like that one. I think that uh, um, I think that's really going to help our force as we move forward. Absolutely. And, you know, especially the drill status guardsmen, I think we need to. Um, you know, make sure, you know, see where they are in the rating chain and um, develop them at the same exact level as our full-time staff. Yeah, and that's, that is the hardest thing. I I have never been an HGR, but I have been Title 32. I have been, you know, Title 5. I have been full-time. Uh, and it's the hardest thing for us to do when we're full-timers. And this is just kind of a, a note out there to all of our, our Title 32s, all of our technicians, all of our AGRs out there. Um, remember, that when your DSGs are around, let go of the reins. We get so sometimes focused on getting the job done, getting the job done, getting the job done. And then it comes to drill weekend instead of handing the reins over and letting them work with it, letting them work and letting them try and struggle and get through problems and processes. We just get used to not taking our hands off the reins. Uh, so that that's just another you know little lesson there, you know, let, let go and let them, let them try. Uh, that's right. how we develop our leaders. Yeah. And I'm a perfect example. I, I served 16 years, you know, 16 and 16 or 16 and 17 now, um, <laughs> you know, they, they, go fast. they go fast. <laughs> yeah. Drill status. And then, you know, full time. So I have 16 years as a drill status guardsman. So I know, you know, exactly what it is like. And and that's one of the things that I just want to ensure that we are utilizing all of our people uh, to the best of their ability and at the level that they should be able to lead. Another really cool aspect about your story is that you are second generation Massachusetts Air National Guard. And yes. I see that so much. I, and this is going to be my recruiting pitch to everybody that's listening right now. Okay, we all know that how great we do telling our story to our family members. And I see so many second and third generation names i mean you know you go to the 104th and everybody's a beauty you go to the 102nd and you know uh everybody's in a hasty i mean it's just it's just all over you just have this if we as airmen all airmen across the board every wing every airman everybody listening to this could just go out with the same enthusiasm with the same zest and zeal tell our story to our friends we would not have a recruiting problem anymore because this really is, it, it, it's it's an awesome ride. I mean, I'm coming down to my last, I could probably almost count my days down now. Um, and as it winds down, 
I just look back and I just realized what an awesome ride it is. And I just want to tell the whole world, you know, what a fantastic opportunity it is to serve and to be part of you know, the Massachusetts Air National Guard, be part of this, this tribe of air warriors and all the great things that we do and in the interactions that we make. If we use that same zeal, then, boy, I, I, I think our recruiting office would be overflowing. They wouldn't be able to meet the demand. Uh, so Absolutely. We got to get out there and tell our story too. That's another thing we got to do. Tell how all these wonderful things that we do. Now, well, are you going to go ahead? I was going to say we had a meeting this morning with the adjutant general and the recruiting um, team, and we are um, yeah we're talking about getting um, the airmen more involved. I remember you know back back in the day. I mean, we we helped out as much as we could. You know, didn't matter who you were. If recruiters needed help. You know, you dove right in and went to an event and uh, followed their lead. Of course, we weren't, you know, uh, recruiters, but we we could assist in any aspect that we could. So we're tossing around different ideas to help get ahead of the recruiting issue uh, for our state because we do offer so much, especially in Massachusetts and um, such a great organization to be part of. So, yeah, if we can spread that word. We're, we're trying to be uh, innovative in ideas to you know, get ahead of it. So that will be upcoming, you know, soon. And anybody with an idea that's listening, any idea, pass it up. I mean, remember, Absolutely. we're empowered to bring ideas up, you know, bring yes. bring those ideas up because it, it's, you know, the only bad idea is the idea that's not vocalized. The one that just rattles around in your head forever. You know, you don't want to be sitting back 10 years later and go, man, I wish I had said something at the time. I wish I had presented that. No, present it because we want to hear it. And if it's feasible, uh, cost-effective, uh, defendable, repeatable, it's going to happen. It will happen. Now, are you uh, going to maintain the dual hat position again uh, in this tour as the State Command Chief? Um, are you going to be the MPMO still and the State Command Chief? Well, currently I'm actually triple hatted. Um, <laughs> well, quadruple, wow. if you want to add on state command chief. Um, so, so I, I'm, you know, MPMO, um, I'm also on the 104th fight away conversion team to the F 35. So I'm going to be the a one lead, um, during the whole conversion process. And I also have a role in the HRO, uh, just for the AGR branch, section at the state level. So um, I am going to, I will not be holding the MPMO role anymore. So that has already been um, advertised, selected, and that will be, uh, that transition will happen shortly. And, but I do feel that I can keep the 104th fight away conversion team uh, to the F-35, I think it would be very important for me to stay in that role, uh, just with my personal background and experience. And then also working with the HRO will help um, guide the 104th uh, through those. Um, you know, those will be tough times for them to, to navigate all the different moves that personnel has to deal with when uh, conversion takes place. So I'm going to keep those two um, and the state command chief will be my primary focus. And yes, time for me to uh, let the reins go on the MPMO. 
but you can never let go of the knowledge. You, you'll always have that institutional knowledge in the background on that and how things work. And I think that's going to be uh, a, a, a big asset to the uh, enlisted field advisory council team as well. Um, for those who are listening who don't know, uh, all the command chiefs, whether you are state or you are a wing command chief uh, or you know, first Air Force, doesn't matter. All command chiefs belong to uh, a board called the Invis Enlisted Field Advisory Council. And uh, the board is for every airman. Actually, every airman uh, can attend meetings, uh, not the closed sessions, but for the open sessions. And we try to uh, work and develop processes, improvements, um, you know, just just make things better. Uh, so it's just kind of a, a, a good think tank. So coming in with that MPMO experience, Chief, I, I'm going to tell you right now that uh, uh, the counterparts on the council for Region 1 are already sitting there rubbing their hands together going, I'm firing off some questions for her. This is going to be great. So uh, you're going to be. <laughs> you're going to be bringing that wealth of information with you because uh, you know, that, that, that type of knowledge is hard to come by uh, and acquire. And you got uh, 16 plus 70 with 30, some, I, I don't know, however many years of personnel and MPMO experience. So, you know, 30 plus years, it's going to be invaluable, especially in this position uh, as a state command chief, really understanding all of that. It's going to be a huge asset. Yes. And I look forward to it um, going to, you know, the regional, EFAC meetings in the past, I would always be on the edge of my seat, you know, that there'd be all these ideas floating around or, um, you know, discussions going on, but I, I wasn't part of the conversation. I was just sort of off to the side and I'd always be on the edge of my seat, you know, thinking, how can that actually work? I'm not too sure. Why don't we think about it this way instead? So, <laughs> uh, yeah. yeah. We, we could have used you a few times when we were going down rabbit holes and, and you know, like you hit it dead end. You're like, oh, crap, I wish somebody knew about these things. Well, uh, yeah, you, I, I can see that your phone's going to be ringing off the hook um, with your counterparts from uh, from around the region and from, from around the EFAC Council. So it's good. I'm glad <laughs> you have those skill sets you're bringing with you. Yes. Hey, I, I got another question for you. I want a fun fact. What What is like a really cool Chief Michelle O'Keefe, fun fact, something that that people don't generally know about you, that that's just a fun and interesting aspect of you. Hmm. That's always a tough one. Well, a couple of years ago, I got invited on the um, the morale ski trip and I hadn't snowboarded and geez, I want to say like 12, 13 years. And I think everybody was pretty impressed. Um, it was like riding a bike. And uh, I think they were pretty impressed with my skills. <laughs> I used to be a very avid snowboarder. So, um, now, have you snowboarded I, since then? Uh, I did a couple times. Yeah. And I got cool. the Epic Pass for this upcoming year. So I'm looking forward to getting out there and, and hitting the slopes a little more often. So you, uh, but, you enjoy the winter sports? I do. I enjoy both. Um, Historically, like, you know, growing up, I was always a swimmer. I was on a swim team uh, for my whole childhood, you know, high school. Um, so, yep, I swam competitively. Might be something nobody knew about me. Um, no, I did not know that. What else is fun? I'm not sure. I got twin 19-year-olds. That's not very fun right now. Uh, uh. <laughs> yeah <laughs> i have one at home yeah it's a challenge <laughs> uh 
<laughs> I don't know. So I, I definitely, I definitely have been traveling a lot, taking advantage of, um, you know, semi-adult um, children, unfortunately, with the passing of my husband. But, you know, staying strong, filling my time. I never say no to anybody that wants to go have a good time. You know, do you, hey, do you want to go away this weekend and go again? Sure. Hey, do you want to go? You know, I don't stop. Like, enjoy life for the moments that you get and try to stay positive and surround myself with people that love and care about me. And I know that 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 love and caring and, and that that, you know, the people that surround you, I know you also feel the same way about our airmen. Um, I, I, I've seen it many, many times. Um, and I am I've said it and I'm going to say it again. Uh, we're, we're lucky to have you back. Um, and I I can't wait to pop back in from time to time, you know, from my my little farm in Virginia when I when I head up uh, up north again and pop in just to see how things are going and to uh, keep tracking uh, your career because you ain't done. Uh, nope. You got a lot more bandwidth, and I'm uh, not. and I the sky's the limit. So, really looking forward to seeing it. So now uh, I do have to ask: with two nineteen-year-olds, are either of them interested in carrying on the family legacy? And are we going to see more O'Keefe's in the <laughs> Air National Guard? I got one on the cusp, but okay, one is All a right. definite no, and the other one's on the cusp. But I keep trying. <laughs> we're always recruiting in public affairs fyi uh, well that's the one actually that's the one that's interested so <laughs> send them my way chief I, I i'm still trying i'm trying 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 yeah i'm trying to get my 19 year old interested in the military too not our military i want to send him off to somebody else's military i wouldn't want to expose our military to him but uh but no <laughs> No, he's not a bad kid. Not a bad kid. But uh, yeah, that that that's the sad thing uh, for me is because, uh, you know, my mother was in the Air Force. Um, she was a nurse and my uncle was in the Air Force. Uh, he actually he he uh, started in the Army Air Corps and then was in during the transition and then went to Korea. And when he went to Korea, um, he had a totally unrelated job because he had spent some time out and then he had gotten called back in. So he had spent time in the Army Air Corps, got out for a few years. The Korean War kicked off. He went in, he goes overseas. And when he goes overseas, they found out that he had been working, um, doing all kinds of mechanical stuff for that two years that he was out of the service. And he was in Korea and they realized he knew how to turn a wrench. So they put him on the flight line, which was not what his job was. And he went from being a refueler to a loader to a jet mechanic. And I bring this up to say one thing. We keep hearing about multi-capable airmen. Um, we've had them for a very, very long time. We're just bringing the term back in. It's just kind of like a refresh. Uh, so, uh, you know, we have, a, we have that nice legacy of the Sullivan line. And it is, unfortunately, looks like uh, it, 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 the sun is going to set with me. Well, you fit the mold for... Um... For all the different multifaceted jobs <laughs> slash <laughs> I'm, careers, I'm a, I'm a multi-capable warrior. Yeah, um, and uh, you know, my my wife loves to listen to the podcast too. So when she tunes in on this, uh, hey, honey, just to let you know, I just joined the Coast Guard Auxiliary, so I'm going to be having <laughs> one more uniform. <laughs> she just probably kidding. wouldn't just be surprised. 
Eh, she wouldn't be surprised, but I'm just kidding. No, uh, <laughs> um, it, it, it has been a great ride. Um, I've met great people like you, Chief. Um, I, I've had uh, some wonderful experiences, uh, you know, doing this podcast over and over with, with uh, you know, with Tim has, has been great. And uh, everybody, your your day comes. Um, it's it's nice when you uh, you when you can you know choose your time and place of your exit. Uh, so um, have that opportunity. Uh, but your time comes. So anybody listening to this, whether you decide that your ride's going to be six years or sixteen or, as in my case, thirty six, enjoy it. I- enjoy the ride, and. Uh, it, it's it's worth it. You're all worth it. With that said, Chief, do you have any closing comments? I would just have to say, um, just through all my experiences and everything that I've been through and the struggles and the work-life balance, um, you know, take the time to take care of yourself, take care of your mental health, take care of your physical health. Mm-hmm. You can't be your best self if you don't take care of yourself. You know, and in the work world, find your niche. You know, what are your strengths? How can you be the best self to contribute to the team? And enjoy the ride. Yeah, take in the little moments, you know. Try not to, you know, the old saying, don't sweat the small stuff because it's really not worth it. So true. And you said it best. We lead as teams. We lead as teams. Yes. So surround yourself with surround yourself with a great bench. And I know you'll do that, Chief. Hey, Chief, it's been a pleasure. And to the airmen listening to this, this is your seventh and ninth Massachusetts State Command Chief, Chief Michelle O'Keefe. Chief, thank you for joining us on this podcast. Thank you, Chief Sullivan. And congratulations to you in your retirement. And I wish you and all the airmen a happy holiday season. And I hope you can relax and enjoy your family and cherish your years of retirement. Wish you all the best. Thanks, Chief. Appreciate you. Hey, Chief, hey Tim. Chief happy O'Keefe, holidays. Uh, oh, thank you, Chief. Um, I just want to say, Chief O'Keefe, thank you sincerely, sincerely for sharing your story. And uh, you, you are an inspiration. You always have been since I've known you. And it's been many, many, many years uh, that I, that I've known you and you've always been an inspiration to those around you. And, uh, you mean a lot to us. And it's good to have you back in the, uh, command chief seat. And, uh, I know, uh, you're going to take care of our airmen. Um, and which is, is all I need to know. <laughs> Thank you, Tim. Yes. We, we definitely go back a long, long time. Yes. And yeah. I, I'm happy to be back and I'm, I'm happy to be here for all the airmen and, and lead them. And yeah, get back into their, their lives. And um, yeah, I'm just really looking forward to it. Yeah. And anytime so thank you, you for uh, Yep. Sure. And, and, and anytime you want to come back on the show and you, you want to talk about your successes and you want to share uh, your vision, uh, you're always, there's an open door here for you, an open seat uh, next to a microphone for you. Excellent. And uh, Chief Sullivan, thanks for the happy holidays. Uh, same to you and same to you, Chief O'Keefe. Uh, enjoy your holidays and, uh, yeah, that's, that's pretty much it, huh? Yes. Thank you. You too. (laughs) Thank you. All right. Christmas cookie time. Christmas cookie time. 
All right, and uh, to, <laughs> to our audience, um, I'll, I'll pass this on again. Our email address is chevronspodcast at gmail.com. Uh, don't be shy. Uh, send us a note. Let us know what you think. Uh, give us some uh, story ideas, or if you've got questions or you want us to interview a specific guest, uh, give us a shout. And uh, that'll be it for Chevrons for this month. <laughs>